0: You are locked on Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers
1: podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, on the coast of this wonderful podcast, and joining me because it is our annual weekly Monday show. About well, annual, probably not right, annual weekly Monday show. This is Tony East from Forbes.com, West Indianapolis News. Tony, how are you doing?
1: I'm confused by our once a week, once a year show. But I don't I am...
0: you know. You know how they <laughs> call it the second annual? I feel like I just did that for this podcast. Some
1: if you guys want some insight into the podcast that we do everything on the first take, the fact that we keep recording after that intro read from Adam is just. You know like... what?
0: We're just going to move on. Are, are you doing better <laughs> than Cameron Payne right now?
1: Yeah, today is an interesting show. You know, the the, the coaching carousel for the Pacers began to turn. Last Thursday, last Friday, but no new info uh, on that front from over the weekend. So we're going to kind of put a bow on that discussion, kind of incorporate some of the roster into the talk about the next coaching hire. You know, we covered why he got fired, why the season went astray last Thursday, who the future guy could be next Friday, but we haven't really talked about you know how the players sort of impact all this and KP always, Kevin Pritchard, the Pacers president, always talks about how The Pacers are kind of a player's first organization, especially recently under his tenure when he's been in charge. That's become even more the case. Um, So I think bringing in and tying in the roster to this coaching search is a little important to put a bow on that. And then we'll kind of get back to what we had regularly scheduled for our offseason content, which this week was going to be what we're learning from the teams still in the playoffs and how the Pacers can learn from that or how they can you know, be better in future seasons building in a similar way. Right. Uh, we did this last year. We'll probably do it again, maybe even in the finals. But, you know, the Suns just punched their ticket to the conference finals a few minutes ago. So perfect time to do it. Uh, but we got to start with buttoning up the Bjorken firing. And then, uh, like we said last summer, sorry, Adam, I've talked for like a minute and a half now. Um, we probably won't do any new stuff on the coaching surge until there is new credible info beyond what's already out there. So just that's the last thing I guess we'll say on that is the end. This will be the last segment for a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think – We'll see how much kind of news leaks out of who is interviewing for jobs and whatnot. So I, I could see us doing a show this week on it. I mean, I, I would guess they'll probably hire a coach in it is June thirteenth by the fourth of July.
1: Make a lot of sense. Right? I agree. Around I that think timeline. I think once we know the Bucks' fate in their current series, they can. Yeah, uh, that,
0: that that could play a big factor for sure in this. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if they don't have at least either a coach hired or like their final two candidates by the 4th of July. Like that would be shocking.
1: Remember they hired, so they hired Nate Bjorken, I believe about uh, October 20th last year, which that off season was weird. But the reason that's important is because that was basically exactly a month before free agency. And that'd be July 1st this year. And we even were like talking about how tight that time was going to be last summer. Right. So yeah. you got to keep that in mind this summer again. And that, that month before free agency starts is two and a half weeks from now, basically. So I'd expect to hire in the next 20 days.
0: Yeah, and I think the players could, they could play in the hiring. One, if they somehow jump in the lottery, that could definitely change how guys yeah, on, the, yeah. on the outside view the job, right? If they are picking two or three somehow, or even one miraculously, which I don't think they're going to pick one. I mean, I, I would maybe get lucky to be four. That could change how um, a coach views the job for sure. And I do think there'll be some, like you said, some some playoff factors, right? Does somebody yeah. lose unexpectedly, somebody get fired there. Um, and then I think because you want that new coach to be kind of at least in on – some draft discussion right i mean I, don't, I think a lot of times the front office will make the decision but like you're gonna incorporate the coach and who they like you know you're not just gonna pick a, a random you know player without a coaching at least being like okay let's take that guy right you're not gonna go against your coach i guess in some ways like you're gonna at least collaborate in that process but um you
1: unintentionally actually segued me into one of my player centric points on the coaching hire so i'm just gonna interrupt you and talk about yeah, it first go so that's okay you talked about the draft um so this is again, a very unlikely chance, less than 10%. I believe it's really even like less than that, but um
0: that like 1% they, for each pick basically.
1: Yeah. So the lotto is the 22nd. I don't, if they hire a guy before then whatever, like that's fine. If they like their guy, they like their guy, but like if they jump into the top four and they're getting one of Cade green Suggs or Evan Mobley, and I doubt they pick Mobley. Cause they're at two centers, but anyway, <laughs> that would be like, a very pacer move. Well, he's a stud. He's really good. Anyway. Um, That might make you think about maybe you go a little bit more on the player development coaching skill, right? Like the Kenny Adkinson type of guy. Cause a lot of your really good players like Karis and Domas and miles. And now this really high pick and O'Shea they're 25 and young or 20 scares is 26, 26 and younger, right? These are young guys grow and Kenny's already coached Karis. So these guys are growing into their, their peak form. Maybe you don't want to stall time on their core. A lot of those guys only have two or three years left on their deal, but that is one of the player centric considerations to me. I, again, that's a very unlikely chance. And I don't think it would change their, their process on the higher very much, but maybe it's like if they they have two candidates ranked very close and one's a little better at the player development and one's a little better at the, you know, X's and O's tactician stuff. And then they jump up into the top four, then they go, okay, you know, now we care a lot more about this player development thing. So that, that is one of my player based considerations and you brought it up. So I'm going to go with it first.
0: Yeah, plus if you're picking the top four, you're likely having drafting guys who could be a rotation player right away or should yes. be versus 13. It's kind of hit or miss. Um, and that plays a factor in just a lot, I think a 13, lot of 13. I would expect the one.
1: guy to be in the rotation, I'd be disappointed if he's not, but anyway, no,
0: but I, I wouldn't. his first season, where I think a top I four would, pick,
1: I would,
0: uh, I don't know, like go get
1: and TJ Leaf are both in the rotation. No, I, I
0: mean, you're picking top four, you're, you're picking a guy who's going to play 20 minutes a game his first season like like legitimate in the rotation not just like this fringe if that makes like they're kind of two oh. different things to me i, I mean, think like,
1: 13 should be your last guy like every game gets minutes to me yeah but i'm but, uh, but related to what we're talking about we'll but talk if about
0: you pick one of the top four or five guys when the draft like,
1: week is up and we have draft content every yeah. day we'll get into that
0: okay all right that's fine <laughs> we can do that then um no i think with the coaching that the, the biggest factor is going to be the roster change in terms of like like i think a big part of Bjorken's. Selling point was, remember his first press conference, he's like, I think the two centers can work. And I do think there was something, uh, I'm sure a discussion between the front office and coaches about, can we work with the two centers or not? Because that's the first thing of the Pacers team. That is the one area where you could talk about this team could be improving, could make a different move. It could kind of change the team's ceiling in some ways, right? And so I do wonder if they, as they bring in coaching candidates, if that becomes like the main topic, because frankly, they're kind of, what how, how, how to say this is like they're not maximizing the 18 million dollars on the two players right they're kind of getting half value for each instead of full value out of one using the money elsewhere for somebody something else
1: yeah i remember the big thing with bjorker and was less le- it was less of him being like i totally 100 believe in this being the best possible way to maximize this roster but like there were a lot of questions rightfully so from reporters and i think i asked one myself about you like did too you got a lot about Bjorken, you got a lot out of a Serge Gasol front court, or I forget they had another big on that. Valanciunas was there for a little bit. Um, can you apply that sort of stuff to your new team? And he's like, yeah. And you know, KP got asked that question when he, they were asking, we were asking him, like, hey, you know, you're hiring a new coach. How much do you weigh in the two centers into that? And, and you know, he talked about, oh, we think Nate's and X's and O's brilliant. Like, this dude is really smart. He wowed us in the, in the room, and now that we're here, that all sounds kind of funny in retrospect. But yeah, you know, that. That was important then, and I think it's substantially less important now because I think that the, that you're right that there is going to likely be a change there. I, I think it should be this offseason, but you know at some point, whether it's this this offseason, the trade deadline next offseason, where this coach will oversee the next iteration of the Pacers that only has one of those centers. So it is important that that center weighs in on their opinion on both of those guys. Uh, and I think you're right that that is a big consideration roster-wise. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think the best way to look at this is, would you rather have you pick either one of the centers, both centers or one center and Bojan Bogdanovic right now?
1: Yeah, it's it, Bojan's better. Well, okay. better fit, better fit.
0: Right. What about somebody like um, Jeremy Grant?
1: How they've gotten Jeremy Grant ever?
0: Well, they could have signed him for agency, but they have the money theoretically. There's, I'm just saying, like, like there's guys with $18 million. Somebody like Jeremy Grant, they could have. Figure a way to get maybe Gallinari, even even Aaron Gordon. Some oh, way like it.
1: yeah, I guess that's you what I mean. Like if things went
0: perfect, yeah. No, no, I mean,
1: Bojan, I mean, Bojan is a little different because like they, they, they had the um, obvious, easy means to sign him, right? He's yeah, I, I
0: guess my point would be is like there's a, there's certainly a way to turn the 18 million dollar contract of one of the centers into a player. Let's say making that somewhere else, like Aaron Gordon. There was a trade there. I mean, I, maybe it's too much to, you to give a first, whatever, and that would have been a big big ticking point but like there's ways to turn the $18 dollars in center into another player of that same value and that's where you look at it like buddy like Jeremy Grant Aaron Gordon even Gallinari were like I think it's just such a better fit that it kind of actually makes your team just better because you're not misplaying one of the
1: players I think after the playoff series I just saw from Aaron Gordon I'm not sure about the better fit. <laughs> yeah that's, 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 that's <laughs> I do fair. think Grant and, and Boyan would be better fits but, I mean I think and- Aaron Gordon one thing
0: I, that makes him a better fit is that he is a Decent enough perimeter defender, although a great he, perimeter defender, great. right? So
1: like, like you can play like let's say you, let's say you got this is, this is this is GM decisions, not coaching decisions, though. You know no, I mean? but I, but I, what I will say is I think when you talk about the coach, the one
0: way to to improve the team from let's say I say well from two years ago to, to this year, right? Because the goal the goal is to get back to where they were two years ago, but really go above that, right? The goal above wasn't, it. yep, right. There's not really like if they got back, it would be fine, but it'd be like whatever that's right the goal is to get above it and the way to get above it is probably how do you maximize let's call it the four spot better than it be maximized today and that's yes and that's, yes. What, and, and that's there what the you go improves. that i like a lot more than talking about how they could have jeremy grant but yeah. no no i'm not talking, i didn't mean a certain player i just meant like in in theoretically you would rather have the more traditional four making the same kind of money than the, what you have right now
1: I, i'm in, in charge and yeah, no one I mean, should ever, no one should ever put any stock in my opinion. I'm hiring the coach who was like, yeah, this is what dude's really good. I want to play him a bunch. Yeah,
0: that's also fair. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Jeremy Grant is a placeholder, like a level is what I mean. Like, yeah. For what, I, what you would want to accept at that spot. Cause like you, you could figure out a way to get a guy for 18, $19 million that he could play full what, for you.
1: Remember when they signed Bojan in 2017 and there was a lot of talk of like, oh, he's a holdover till GR3 gets healthy, blah, blah, blah. And now it's, now it's four years later and we're like. This is the biggest mistake of Kevin Richards. Tenure. He let is this it the, uh, it's one <laughs> of them. It certainly is a big flashpoint because that
0: he is going on to legitimate like, defense. Biggest roster mistake. Obviously, the Bjorken hire is going to be his
1: biggest mistake. Ooh, is it the biggest roster mistake? That's a really good. That or drafting TJ, probably. That's a different podcast, but. Um, oh yeah, that is. I mean, it's a really critical podcast. That'd Man, be fun. That, that would be is. very critical. We'd have to. We'd have to balance it out with like the best moves and worst. Moves. Well, because he's
0: made some really savvy moves too. I mean, TK yeah. Warren comes to mind right away. Warren the
1: Depot trade even, and then the oh the Depot, Depot trade, both yeah. Depot trades. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I had that's... another roster consideration. This uh, calling back to his press conference about letting Bjork Green go, which I thought was interesting. You know, we learned. We I, I think it's interesting the way. The Pacers towed the, lo- tow the line um, between like making their own decision and their roster consultation stuff. Because, you know, the- he said they interviewed f- between like 15 and 20 guys. By the way, I said last week they interviewed 50 guys. I listened to the interview again. They He said they interviewed 15 to 20 guys and had 50 pages of notes. And I got my numbers confused on all those people. But anyway, they interviewed all these people. And he called it the Kevin Bacon slash Greg Popovich six degrees of separation, right? Where like everybody in the NBA, you could get back to any coach or any other player through however many degrees of separation, right? So like for every candidate they were serious about, they had someone on the Pacers roster they could talk to about that guy to get to it, right? Whether it was Warren with Bjorker in or Dan had a couple of these guys play for him, blah, blah, blah. You could get to that discussion with your roster. So that's part of it is they have these conversations with the roster but he also said I think he mentioned it was Brogdon I'm almost positive he said it was Brogdon that at one point was like in the hiring process it was like I trust you guys to make the right decision you know what I mean so I, I, I think it that with the roster the consideration of balance of you know fi- hiring the guy you think makes the most sense but also consulting them I think a little bit more potentially along the way like if Brogden's that hands off that's interesting to me. Whereas like, I maybe would ask for a little more input, even if guys don't have personal experience with the guy, you know, the Kevin Pritchard did also say like, you know, we have our own goals that the the players necessarily don't like think about, but um, I think the right amount of consultation with players is key. And that's where the roster can come into play. Maybe like he mentioned, needing more of a leader, maybe someone steps up more and says like, I think this guy would be really good for us. Right. We've already seen Damian Lillard publicly leaking his favorite candidates. That would be a terrible thing for to happen to the Pacers. But like, Some sort of seeding of control from players of like this guy we think makes sense for us. I think would be very interesting and helpful in this process.
0: Yeah, I think the problem is the Pacers. They have too many guys who are kind of like all the same level, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. right. Like they don't have a super duper star who's like a stat, like the guy, right? Like and even even
1: Vic, after he wasn't that star anymore, was still the guy for a little bit. Like yeah, like I could make a nominally.
0: I can make a case that Sabonis, Brogdon, Karras, and TJ each one of us the best
1: player on the team like i can make yeah, on absolutely the, and every on. fourth game one a different one of them shows. exactly
0: <laughs> right like no, like sabones has the all-star games but he's not like he's part of that is because he's a center and there's just not that deep of a position anymore in the league in terms of, like top on, like, on the top or outside the top like three um well so,
1: yeah. the, those positions don't really matter for star anymore but anyway
0: yeah but i well i guess i feel like in the when it comes out of the right he's chosen by coaches so i feel like they do pick center i don't know maybe well, they don't who knows anyways anyways, anyways. um yeah, I, I agree with though. It would be nice to get some content with just some of the players. But I guess you got to figure out, I mean, those four are just names, and then you're leaving Turner out of that because you're going to trade him. I mean, that's that's the tough part. No,
1: every, I everybody. Every single player.
0: Just – just cut. yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be bad. You never enough. know who's
1: going to be back and who's not, right? You never know.
0: Yeah, and I think it's always good Excuse. to just get get players' opinions. Um, but you have well, to be – absolutely. You have, you have and I'm not ca- saying
1: they didn't last summer. He said they did, for sure. Warren even <laughs> said that they talked to him about Bjorken, right? Like, I know yeah. that that's stuff that they did. yeah. But, you know, I don't know what level that was, and I think that, that he mentioned Brogdon's quote was interesting and how he mentioned, like, like I think it was something to the effect of, like, we ask a lot of, like, how hard did this guy push you or, like, how much did he push you to, to be the best you can be? And, like, they have their own views about, like, what the perfect level of that is for their team that might not necessarily match what a player thinks. So they might have, you know, stuff like that. You, that
0: and you have to be careful because – you do. If, you do. If the player gives an opinion and then you disregard it, then you end up in a situation to the NFL like to Sean Watson, right? They told him he get high, he would be part of the head coaching hire and they just ignored him. Right. And that's like right. and if then you piss off a guy who doesn't then it won't be here anymore. I mean, and you really can't afford that right now.
1: Yeah. So that's another roster consideration. But as for playing style, you know, there's so many things the Pacers were bad at this year that like there's so I don't know that necessarily like I would the roster saying like, I think this guy can make us play this way. That'd be the best. Like, yeah, I, like we just said, I think you take into consideration what players want and stuff, but like play style wise, I don't think there's much that I would take from the roster. So I think a lot of it is just about relationships and, and team opinions, like you said, with Turbonus. And I guess their, their player development track record, if that ends up mattering, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the, the roster stuff, how it, how it conflates with the coaching hire. Yeah, I, I do
0: agree. Yeah. Um, all right, you want to move on from coaching and talk about what we've learned from this playoff so far?
1: I want to throw one more thing in this first okay. segment that is totally unrelated to the Pacers. Okay. My sister and brother-in-law had a baby this weekend. Oh, uh, congratulations! So, so they sometimes Patrick sometimes listens to the show. So if he is Patrick, congratulations! I uh, hope you guys are doing great. Still, can't wait to meet him. All right, we can move on now.
0: Yeah, we could have the beginning the podcast, man. We had to wait. To I bet. know.
1: I thought about it and then I forgot because I was feeling ah. about something. Get really excited about player development coaches, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Let's take one quick break and then we'll talk about what we've learned in the playoffs so far and how that can translate to the Pacers future success. But first, today's Locked on Pacers podcast is brought to you by Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is help making your short list of candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps you make life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job set that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three post, screen, and inter- interview, all on Indeed. Your quality choice of candidates where, whose resumes are on Indeed match, your job description faster, only pay for candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule complete video interviews, and in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed is connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills that on, on average versus hiring time by 27% you can choose more than 130 skill sets and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job that's combined. And if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your post at adeed.com slash locked. That's $75 credit and indeed.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid June 30th. at the term and condition apply. And we are also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is this amazing protein bar company that makes nine delicious flavors plus a ton of limited time flavors. Built Bar is an awesome protein bar company. I mean, we've tried them all on this podcast. We, we think most of them are great, if not all of them are great. Um, our favorite ones, obviously, are the peanut butter brownie ones, which is 180 calories, 18 grams of protein, five grams of net carbs. They're just great tasting. They're great for trying to like indulge in a snack or if somebody's trying to lose or maintain weight, they're just a great kind of thing. I personally enjoy eating one of these kind of my mid-afternoon snack right between lunch, between dinner, you need a little something and Built Bar is the best thing for that. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Tony, have you made a list of things that you learned from the playoffs so far, or you just want to kind of riff? Uh,
1: a little bit of both.
0: All right, <laughs> you lead off, because I, I, I have like a semi-list, but it's not really written down, it's just kind of
1: sitting in my head. Well, the big one I want to save for the end, because it's sort of a segue into our week of topics, which is interesting. We have a thematic week, um, but I think we're seeing some sort of, like, it's a, this is not Something that the Pacers can take from this is just a playoff theme I wanted to talk about. Like the the new age of the NBA, kind of butting heads with like the old heads has been really fun for me. Like Kevin Durant versus Giannis, or like oh look, Devin Booker's taking over, but also Chris Paul's dominating at the same time. Like Donovan Mitchell's dominating versus like Paul George and Kawhi. I think that's all been really fun, and it's really fun to see like the changing of the NBA guards. Like the last stand for a lot of these vets. So maybe the Pacers need a stud young guy, but uh, that that's just a general thing that I had. Written down for my first one.
0: Yeah, it is kind of we're in well, we're in the kind of this weird moment because Chris Paul, right, is the old guard, but also with a bunch of new guys
1: KD kind of too. He's like 34 now, right?
0: KD's 30. You sure I haven't run 34? Uh, I don't feel too bad. 32. Close yeah, enough. I was I was thinking 32. Close enough.
1: <laughs> uh there is a difference, I guess. I mean, there's he kind turns of... 33 in like two months, so I don't
0: Okay. Chris bad. Paul's 38, right? Or close to
1: it. 37 going to yeah, be 38 this year.
0: Well. God, look at us. He's just old. trying to figure out guys. Age. I know this is not
1: <laughs> something I thought I'd need to know for this. He's 36.
0: 36. Just turned 36. So I actually wrong. His age too. Anyways. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to see. Cause right. You've got kind of what is Durant versus Giannis, kind of like obviously old guard kind of new, new guard. You had the, Le, the, LeBron kind of Devin Booker, Devin Aiden's kind of new guard. And then you so kind of getting but, that wet, you know, out East
1: and vert and beat and Trey, right. They're hanging yeah. in there. So if I wanted to apply this to the Pacers, I would say they either need like a stud old dude or uh, a great young dude to like get to the level of the teams that are still in it. Because these are the teams that are right. They want to win around. They've said they wanted it around. So let's look at the teams that did win around. What did they do? Well, Uh, and and like the Lakers are the exception because LeBron and AD Sands injury should have made it. But like these teams all proved it over the course of the year, like MVP candidate Jokic levels are like they, they did something really well to be right, all the
0: did all the top well i guess the clippers were only no clippers were the four seed right So all the, the top well, the, no, no the, the knicks Hoss. were the four in the east yeah that was the upset yeah. but they were so close it was even like back and forth the whole time basically it was
1: a five game series that was closer than that but like yeah no, I mean, just, like in
0: regular season two the knicks oh were yeah like yeah.
1: a game or two apart like they weren't right it wasn't yeah. a big golf between the two teams and record yeah, trey just dominated that series right so Another yeah. example. So I, I think that that's like someone on the Pacers needs to either reach that level in the next year or two, or they need to find a way to get that guy. That would be one takeaway. And that's obvious every year. Like, Oh my God, a superstar is really important. Duh. But like, you know, none of the, I guess you could have said the Knicks if they, if they had won, but they didn't um, But like, did any, did any team stand out to you as like the mostly starless that found a way to get it done? Like, not really. You know what I mean? So. No,
0: I I think actually the most important thing to me is so, I think there's one, I guess you maybe could say two, but six of the eight teams all have, I consider of like a dominant point guard or a dominant guard. And you can even make a case of the Clippers who aren't one of them really quiet PG play point guard for them. Yeah. Well, the Sixers and their don't. lack
1: of point guard hurts them a lot. The
0: yeah. League. And the Sixers don't have one, but I, I don't, I mean, they do, just, yeah,
1: they do Ben Simmons.
0: Oh, okay. You can him as their leap. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't counting him that, but I guess, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, Drew,
1: well, like, like, look at the Bucs specifically. This isn't even a this plus thing, but like going from Bledsoe to Drew, I think Drew's been pretty rough offensively, honestly, in this postseason. But defensively, defensive upgrade and, and the fact that he's an organizer more so than Bledsoe. Calm ever under was,
0: pressure. He hit the layup the other day. I mean, he's just exactly. calm under pressure, right? He's not. Bledsoe was like, got scared by Terry Rozier <laughs> series right. two or three years ago,
1: right? So, like, yeah, it's, in the East, it's Simmons, Kyrie, Drew, and Trey. In the West, yeah, the Nuggets are the exception. And they scraped by Dame. But the but door. the
0: Nuggets are exception because they would have one if it wasn't for an injury. Right, right. And they made it through because, <clears throat> I mean, Jokic is just like, like the next level, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah, that kind of sunk the Lakers a little bit too, right? It did. Like no, Schroeder I mean, wasn't as good as they needed him to be. And they needed it LeBron. To obviously, a lot of other things. They need right. LeBron to be the point guard, but LeBron
0: is at a point of career; where he's not really the plunk guard anymore. He can't do it as much.
1: All right, so, let, let, so let's bring this back to the Pacers. This is key yeah. to me. This is key to this show to me. So, like, we've, this is interesting because we've seen Brogdon be really good in the playoffs for the Bucs. Um, that's something that I think the Pacers actually liked about him is that he had shown really good stuff for them. When he came back from injury that second year and they made the conference finals, he was really good for them against the Raptors, and I forget who they played in the conference. He's the Sixers, I believe. Um, yeah. He was really good for them that year, right? So that was really appealing, but he wasn't playing the, like, huge heavy point guard role. That, not heavy anymore, now that Karras is here, but he wasn't playing as a ball-dominant of a role with them as he was with the Pacers, and then he wasn't as good in the playoffs in that Heat series. Granted, nobody was really very good.
0: Anybody was good, yeah.
1: Nobody was, like, up to their standard, right? The Heat did a fantastic job taking the Pacers completely out of their game. But, yeah, if can to be that guy? I don't know. Karras was good in his only playoffs with the Nets. Or did they make two? They were in the bubble playoffs. Was he in two for them? Um, I remember him being good uh, in the bubble playoffs. They did make the playoffs in 2018-19, and he was a 21-point-per-game score in 29 minutes a game. So Karis has been good in the playoffs as well. Can they be at that level if they're both in the game or if they are the point guard for whatever stretch of time? I Like we've seen Brogdon be good, but not in this role. We've seen Karras be good, but again, in a little less of this kind of role. So I don't really know is the answer, but they have both stepped up in the playoffs in the past.
0: Yeah. Karis is interesting to me i mean i i I guess i don't know where really
1: good his stats are awesome
0: well i guess to me it's like i i I don't know where his where his ceiling's at right now right he's 26 um he came to the league late right he played three years at i believe at michigan Mm -hmm. before he came in right maybe even played four um so like you know he has some of that where like he's only been in the league what this was his fifth season in the league right so fifth season so like that's like you're just doing like when you kind of peak, you really peak around the year probably six to eight or maybe even after that at times if you're like a, an elite level player. Um, so like could he get to that that kind of level? I mean, scoring-wise, he has flashes of it for sure. I mean, he's not quite at like, I would say like Trey Young, obviously scoring level, but no. he has flashes of being – no, but he has flashes of being a guy who could put up 25, 30 in a playoff game. But here, like, here's what I was going to say. a couple big threes. Like,
1: like he can be as good as like Mike Conley or Drew, I think. I was going to
0: say Drew Hott would be my – he
1: could be as good as that. Not as good defensively at all. Like I'm not gonna even pretend to. Oh, compare but Brogdon them. could to be the defensive part of that. And eh, not quite as good, but Brogdon can be good defensively. I agree with you. Yeah, like Conley's been really good for the Jazz offensively this season, and I don't think I think Garrett's can get pretty close to that. Um, so maybe in tandem they can get there. But yeah, that that's a concern for me too. Like lead ball handling has been really impressive for a lot of teams this season. Yeah. Okay. Let's do one. One. You
0: got one more, and then we'll take a break.
1: Yes, I got one more. Um, I think we're seeing. Uh, like a very solid depth step up for these really good teams and hell of luck has been a factor. I want to, that's my last one that we'll get to next segment, but like the sun's depth has been incredible. Like Sar is just playing really good campaign is playing really good. Camp Johnson's playing really good for them off the bench. Then you go to the jazz. You see guys like Favors playing really off the bench Ingalls when he comes to Clarkson, right? Like these guys all have suit guys who are really capable of playing the system. Off the bench and, and and running what they do really well uh, in the East, guys like Shake. Well, Shake hasn't played that much for the for the Sixers, but the Sixers second unit, cork uh, has had a really fantastic game three for them against the Hawks recently, right? Dwight Howard's been good for them off the bench. Uh, the Nets really are the only team that's bench hasn't really stepped up. And look at this suddenly. Well, they
0: did the, in the first two games where the Bucks kind of sucked the first two on the bench. They awful. They flipped awful. the last. <laughs> the la- right. Well, they flipped the last two. That's
1: yeah, uh, Bryn Forbes has been good in this playoff run. For the Bucks, Pat Connaughton's been okay, I guess. Like uh, the the Hawks bench has been good for them. Uh, yeah, the Clippers
0: awesome. depth is killing them. They don't have good. The Clippers depth. depth is
1: killing them, killing them. Yeah, or like Rondo's already is out of the their rotation. That. That's crazy. So like depth is becoming important. And it always is, right? Like the the Pacers will spin that they're really deep, and they are, but not. And like it's kind of weird the the way I'm viewing this depth for a lot of the teams, especially the Suns. And maybe I have some Suns bias in my head right now because I just watched them. But these like the way the Pacers second unit plays is kind of different than the way their first unit plays. Like it it's been that way for a while now. Uh like the last two or three seasons basically the McConnell McDermott era, right? Like those who are a little different than their their normal schematic stuff. Maybe I'm off there, but it's just a feel thing for me. And I wonder if that kind of hurts them in the postseason to like they're easier to cut off that second unit with teams whereas these teams that are still alive are are more capable of running the same kind of stuff. And this is more Bjorkman criticism, but a lot of the teams use these depths in ways that are mixing and matching with starters and not just going hockey sub mode like the Pacers have done a lot. So don't do that anymore. No more uh, full bench units. Well,
0: the Pacers kind of do that because of injury in his defense.
1: They did do that because of injuries, I agree. With. Right, because the
0: beginning of the year, they weren't doing that. That Remember, was were... a factor. Right, so I, I guess – I. I mean, he's fired now. So he doesn't give it any more the benefit of the doubt anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. I I will say that that it, the the like losing three top nine guys or whatever did sort of at any moment felt like every time they at least had three of those top nine done to did make it hard to like just play your mix and match your starters because then you're really playing bench guys with more bench guys that like were pretend starters. But yeah, I, I do agree. Depth. I mean, depth is a I think probably the most underrated but biggest factor in the playoffs outside of like having LeBron. Right. I mean, I think LeBron's teams have been able to overcome it in the years. He does win. It's because he has depth because he's so good, but like usually every team that plays against him or has a shot against him is because of depth, right? The Pacers forever. Yeah. When they took LeBron the first time in Miami was the fact that they, not that they had some good top players, but they had nine legitimately players who could play in a playoff series, which is like not, it's pretty unheard of in most series. Now you're seeing most teams now have at least seven or eight. Um, Really quality players. I mean, it's what's killed Houston in the past, right? They just didn't have the depth to go with the Warriors. But um, like Warriors—they're a theme
1: of my my next segment. The
0: Warriors that. depth is interesting, right? I think in fifteen sixteen or 14, 15, whatever that first year was, they did have some depth, and then okay, kind Harrison, of
1: Harrison Barnes, Livingston, Iguodala—they had uh, another was not I think. bad
0: for them. Festus Azili, yeah, they had um, another Livingston, center. Uh, Barbosa—that's who it was. They Barbosa, Livingston, center yeah. already. I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah, they had they had some good depth. I mean, they had Livingston and Iguodala off their bench in that first run.
1: Played David Lee too.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so like they had some depth, and as the got it faded, and and it, it turning towards the end of their dynasty run. I mean, you look you look at the 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 Raptors, right? The Raptors in 1988, know how they had a ton of depth. I mean, they were playing what Abaka off their bench was OG coming off the bench back then still too. I mean, they had a very solid bench that yeah. playoff run. Norman Powell. Yep. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's depth depth can definitely it, it can save you at times and extend your runs for sure in the playoffs.
1: It can be helpful. All right, I yeah. got a few
0: more, but let's take a break first. Yeah, let's so one quick break, and we'll get to the rest of our uh, takeaways. But first, today's Locked On Page Podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got the baseball season in full swing, NBA playoffs, heating up almost the conference finals times, although we have a lot of series going, going the distance, it feels like. I got NHL playoffs going on. Those conference finals just started, uh, I believe this afternoon. And betonline.ig is the place. It's the place to go to place all your sports action. Get the latest news and odds and all your sporting info on all those major sports, including UFC and MMA. So before the next pitch, before the next basket, head over to betonline.ig and watch for device advice. Check out all the great sporting news, center for bonuses and of information. If you use promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means you put a hundred dollars down, they give you 50 free dollars. Don't set it on the sidelines anymore. Go to belly.ag, your online sports book experts. All right. I have a, a takeaway. You kind of Go stole ahead. mine with the with the depth thing. Sorry. Um, no, but I think this kind of adds to it. I think there's you look around, there's a lot of playoff experience, right? So you have the jazz who have been playoff team for what, probably four or five years in a row now couple that they got this is the first time they got out of the first round or they do it another year and then lost second round, but they've been hanging in the playoffs forever with this go bear team. Um, you know, even going back, I think they basically made a similar transition from the Hayward era to the Gobert Mitchell era. Can't make the playoffs. Um, the Suns last year, got a ton of experience in the bubble and they didn't make the playoffs. That was clearly huge for that team's development. Um, look at the East, right? Philly's been hanging around at the second round year after year, Milwaukee, same way. The nets have obviously like experience among their top players. There's just something about guys who have been in the playoffs and for a lot of, for a lot of, for a long time and many years in a row that helps propel you further each year. Cause you have, you can kind of, you can stand up to the moment, I guess.
1: So I'm glad you explained it the way you did. Cause I think that playoff experience is more an organizational thing than a player thing. Cause like, I think there was some, fair. there was some lazy pre postseason analysis about like, can Devin Booker be good in the postseason because he's never done this before and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know if Devin Booker can be good in the playoffs, but I don't want to like, Paul like, like if he played bad, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's because he's never played in the playoffs before. So like, suddenly they have Monty Williams and Chris Monty Williams is not a ton in the postseason in his career via assistant coaching and coaching. And they have Chris Paul. Now they have other. Chris Jake Paul, that with, that, that he, team personifies Chris Paul. as Jake Crowder was in the finals last year, last year. Right. So like, I think it's, it's like an organizational thing. And like, you, you can get that from other guys, you know, like players talk about championship experience in organizations. Like it's definitely a thing but I think it's dumb to ascribe it for like a reason for struggles or successes for players. But I think for organizations, you're definitely seeing that. Um, So the Pacers have a lot of guys with that experience, but very few that have gotten through around. So uh, finding that balance going forward will be interesting. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think too, the Nets, right. They were in the playoffs before they got uh, cut.
1: Well, okay. And Nash and D'Antoni and Mare and Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And you, go I just on think that
0: to me, the Jazz are like the best example of it just because they're a team that has been consistently in the playoffs over and over again. And it, if things have finally broken their way this year, I mean, it, it just felt like they like they slowly built their team up over time, right? They had the go bear piece for a while, they got Mitchell to pop, and then they added Ingles kind of kept developing, and then they added Boyan, they added Mike Conley, and they kind of just like slowly built the team into like the kind of juggernaut it is right now,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, this one's sort of related this one is kind of something that happened last year and it's also related to depth depth, but we're also kind of seeing like the post warriors of NBA teams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I this know. is related to I, our, big I, know I know where well, you're going. The, well, no, not okay. yet. I'll get there. This will be talked about about the end, but like, yeah, just like deeper rosters, not as star based, not as focused on shutting down the warriors and like LeBron was able to do it, obviously, but the warriors had injury on injury and injury last year. Right. So just the, the way that teams are structured now with more depth of things related to the warriors and then as a step further from that, how much health is important in the postseason. We saw the Warriors dynasty basically end because of health, and now we're seeing, like, the Suns have been the healthiest team. They're already in the conference finals. The Jazz, uh, Conley's been hurt, and that's hurt them. Right? The Clippers have, Serge Ibaka's been hurt. Beverly was hurt for a while. That's hurt them. Uh, and Embiid was hurt. That caused them to lose a game to the, the Wizards and maybe even the Hawks, even though he played in that game. Uh, the Nets obviously getting smoked by injuries, and that's keeping the Bucks alive, right? They the Bucks look terrible when the Nets were a little more healthy. So health always is important in the playoffs. We always talk about how, like, you always bring this up more than I do, but you're absolutely right about it every time. It's like you build the team, you get to the postseason, and then suddenly one thing breaks away, and boom, like you're there, you're wearing. Well, any like of look,
0: any. look, 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 at the uh, the Mavs, right? Luca clearly got what's hurt around game what four, yeah, right, yeah, and that changed clearly stuff. changed the series. Yep um
1: yeah so that, i think the clippers might have won that anyway but yeah so that, that, to say it didn't have an impact to be stupid right so, am i wrong the Mavs
0: were up in game three then he got hurt i'm trying to think right were not they up like first quarter maybe up 10 no he,
1: i think he got hurt in game four right?
0: okay but maybe they were up in that game anyway and would, that would have kind of like if they had won that game it might have actually like kind of been uh two that's possible to overcome that like kind of thing
1: that is certainly possible so yeah, health is another thing, and the Warriors' end of their dynasty was a factor there. But if you have anything else, I want to get to the big one.
0: Well, I mean, I, I'm going to set you up for this one. I mean, okay, I think so. The without the Warriors and out the two greatest shooters being on the same team, yes, <laughs> we realized there is some value in some other spots because you're no longer being run off the floor by the two greatest shooters, and then maybe the perfect, you know, stretch five fit for him, basically the modern day Charles Barkley on, with but on defense, not 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 offense surrounding them. Um, and that's set up this era where, like, maybe a certain position is more valuable.
1: Yes, that is the big one. Uh, and so I'll do the tease here and then we'll talk about this. This week, Unlocked on, on Pacers podcast uh, is centers week. We're doing our player, we're going to get back to player season recaps tomorrow, and we're going to do centers this week. So, Turner, Sabonis, and Goga, and Adam is going to run through the final numbers on the Sabonis pairing from the season, plus more stuff on them on Thursday. But yeah, I, this is not a defensive Turbonis, what I'm about to say, just the general recapturing a value of centers, I think, very much on display in this postseason. Obviously, Jokic just got yammed off the floor. But part of the reason he did is because DeAndre Ayton has been effing spectacular in this playoffs on both ends of the floor, hitting his midis, playing great defense, rotating and pick and roll, playing good drop coverage, like everything. I've never seen DeAndre Ayton do. He's doing all of it at the same time somehow, which is kind of crazy. But like he's been really good. Jokic willed the Nuggets into the second round. And bead has been really good. Part of the reason the Clippers have been struggling is because Zubac hasn't been as good as he needs to be, right? Whereas Gobert, you know, just had a game-saving block in game one. He's obviously awesome. Um, The Nets having uh, center struggles, right? Like Blake Griffin, but when Blake Griffin's at center, slowing down Giannis is when some of their best moments are happening, right? When they're able to slow down Giannis with Blake Griffin, all of a sudden it's like, oh, look, the Nets look extremely dangerous. Clint Capella's been awesome, right? Every team alive. You could make a case for their center being really impressive at times, basically except for Brooke Lopez. So, uh, and the Clippers. So I think that we're seeing the rise in importance of centers. Again, we saw it last year, right? Davis at center was key for the Lakers. Bam was sensational for the heat. And then Jokic was in the conference finals out West, right? So the the center rise has been happening since the death of the warriors, but it's, it's even more so on display this year as these multi-talented bigs are just taking over. So, it's been really interesting to see that, and I again the dual centers thing maybe not so much important, Uh, and there's still some teams going small like Marcus Morris is playing a lot of center, uh, but I think we've been seeing the return of the importance of bigs in this postseason, which is very interesting. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I mean Aiden has like been a revelation this postseason. I can't I, believe it. I can't. I mean, it. I, I like for a while that it was like oh, like there were obviously Luca was better than him, Trey M was getting was better than him. Now it's he might be closer to trade level than we ever thought. Frankly. He's
1: still the third best in that draft. Maybe f- I'd have to think of everybody in that draft, but Who yeah, else he's definitely of- proving to be very good, very good.
0: Yeah, and I I think what what happened, and it's it's obvious when a team sort of like is gets a dynasty, and also doesn't mean hasn't been done before. Every team tries to copycat it, and I think the league. Like, overcorrected to the Warriors way, right? I, I think the Warriors definitely opened up the league to, like, hey, you don't necessarily need to be playing a Crystal Five all the time to be good. Um, but also, if you don't have two of the greatest shooters, um, Andre Godala, probably one of the best players ever to come off a bench, like in NBA history, right? One of the best six men, I guess, ever. I mean, very overqualified. I mean, that, that roster was just like perfectly constructed. Um, and it wasn't like just because they could shoot. They were just, that's why they weren't, you know, they had to do a lot yeah, of obviously it stars, but yes. Yeah. It was not just like, Oh, we're, we're so good because we're playing stretch out five. No, we're that good because we have the talent to do it. And so all these teams are corrected. And frankly, the Jazz have played it right and they just sort of waited. They were like, you know, at some point, the Warriors weren't going to be the best team in the league. And when they weren't, they're going to have one of the best centers in the league, the best defensive player, one of the best screen assisters. And they were going to fill, surround him with four really good shooters. And that was why they were going to be good. And that's, you know, and it worked. And you kind of really, the Suns are built the same kind of way around. Not they're not built around Aiden, but they have the same concept where they got four shooters and Aiden. That's how they. That's how they also play. Um, So like, it's just it's interesting how teams have sort of like you don't need the traditional like back it down, feed the center all the time. But you, if you have a good center who can be good defensively, it's it's huge for your team.
1: It is interesting this year how half the like I mean it's not a split half and half. So I should not have said half, but like like you have the Capella dominance where he's really good on D, really good on the glass. That's helping the Hawks a ton. Whereas Jokic dominates on offense, it helps the Nuggets a ton. ayton has been better on defense than offense, but you know a little bit of both there. Uh, Gobert obviously way better on defense. Embiid I think's been better on offense than defense in this postseason, though. You could argue either with him. Like it's been interesting that both sides have been on prominent display. Well, and, with, with and I think so it's good. fair to say. I mean, I know they're
0: not playing but like Giannis is kind of a center. <laughs> he's himself. totally a center.
1: Well, they're playing in nice playoffs. Yeah. Huh? So I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of should, he should probably be a center at some point. but that's a future thing. That's maybe they'll unlock that in the conference finals finally. But uh yeah, so like really like right, you look across the league. There's that's one, two. So two of the best teams in the East are surrounded by by a center. Uh Jovich is the third of the final eight knocks that they're eliminated. Um, I guess Gobert probably isn't the best player on the jazz, but he's he's one B if not you know next to Donovan. That's four teams built kind of around a center, and then the other the other four teams all have like good rim rim running defensive centers with Capella and and uh, Coppella, DeAndre, um, I guess maybe the Nets don't. Maybe the only one, right? The Clippers obviously don't really. So maybe six of the eight have. A good the Nets, center.
1: Nets, next, well, Jeff Green's gonna be big for them uh, when he gets more minutes. He came back in the last game. I'm not kidding. Jeff Green's a good player. Okay, so I mean he is sometimes. <laughs> I say I don't say this to like belittle the two center thing. I'm just saying like the, the value of that player is returning. So it's it's like Ken Sabonis or Turner either one of them be good enough to, to give the value you're getting like, like so they can both be as good as Capella. He's been huge for the Hawks. Like obviously they have Trey young They're, team construction still mattered. And just in the context of the playoffs, like I think we're seeing the rise of the center and these guys can really help. And like yeah. the, the series that the Pacers were healthy in with their centers, they just ran into LeBron James and then they haven't been healthy with their center since. So I would be interested to see them, either one of them playing a playoff series. Yeah, the yeah, fact no. that the
0: Rockets just basically gave up Clint Capella is a travesty. Unbelievable. It Unbelievable. was one of the worst moves at the time even. Oh, we're going to play. F- we don't need a center, said the Rockets, as they got smoked playoff to playoff. I and, was center.
1: and he, like, like, look, Capella wasn't as good for them as he was for the Hawks, like, of course, but, like,
0: man. Well, Capella that one know. year with Chris Paul was really good.
1: Oh, remember a there was- player. He was, like, part of the reason Russ started to resurge was because they figured out how to use Russ Capella together, but they just were like, yeah, we don't need centers anymore. Let's get back. Well, the remember, there, there was that stat where like Capella, with Chris,
0: Chris Paul, Capella and Harden, I'll tell you, they were like 37 and one until they lost the Warriors that playoff Series. I mean, they were like, it was like an insane number because they all weren't very healthy together at the same time, but they were like
1: amazing for yeah. Houston. So yeah, he's been great. So and yeah, th- this week will be centers weeks. So we'll be talking yeah. a lot about those guys. On the Pacers and how they can be important going forward as well, and I think the playoffs are, are teaching us a lot about that. Again, again, like part of the like the injuries again killed them. I think part of the Lakers' struggles is their reluctance, and mostly Anthony Davis is to blame here. Per reporting, his reluctance to play center, right? So they're forced to be like, okay, fine, we'll go get Andre Drummond. Or like, okay, well, we'll try to fit Montrez Harrell and Andre Drummond into our team, but like, the um, Gasol's good, but like the that just doesn't it's not working for them yeah I mean, was well, the interesting i guess
0: in the bubble centers weren't as valuable right the four teams that made it the previous oh, year what,
1: what no no
0: bam ad and Jokic. Okay. like ad played oh better. i guess he was playing center okay that's but well, wasn't he howard played.
1: playing center kind of and
0: maybe he was good for them
1: he was good for them
0: no but i mean like having a dominant center wasn't as viable although Jokic made it so bam
1: was amazing though yeah but even even tice was good for the celtics
0: yeah but i guess the celtics the lakers are probably if they both are made it there without like having this like amazing center, I guess.
1: Yeah. A little less. So yes. Yeah. Less so than this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, like this year, I feel like it's over. Like it's super important as the Pat, like it was like kind of important in the past, I guess. Yeah. But anyways, you got, you got anything else?
1: No, I'm excited for centers week. Um, we're we, we, again, like I said earlier, we'll have to harp on this. Um Nothing will come on the coaching search podcast wise until we get more information information we'll probably like bring it up at the beginning of every weekly show just like still nothing new there but yeah we'll see where that goes but again i expect in the next 20 days to get something that but for now we'll go back to player season recaps and big important headlines and the draft stuff like the lotto's like next week right so we'll have a lot of fun draft i assume we'll
0: do a show after the lotteries. just oh absolutely
1: it's on the schedule adam
0: (laughs) yep of course it is (laughs) all right right. tony already already plenty (laughs) on our next three months um as always, you can follow the Locked On Page Podcast on Twitter at Locked On Pages. You can follow Tony at T East MBA, me at Free Madam 5. As always, we're bringing this podcast five days a week. As all for is Locked On Page Podcast, and we'll see you guys again.